The Smithfield Murder, a short story from Bowman's Casebook by Richard James. Part 5. Inspector Bowman continues his investigations into a death at Smithfield Market, examining Boothby's ledger for any information that could be useful. The bishop's finger stood not a stone's throw from the market. Crossing the road at West Smithfield, Archie Walton could barely contain his excitement. It was an airy, welcoming establishment, with an ornate bar and a fine selection of ales. As the two men sat at a table by the window with their charge, an order was made for two jars of ale and a plate of jellied eels. Take us through your day, Archie. Bowman was leaning forward, one hand on Boothby's ledger as the boy ate. I open the stall at the stroke of two, never early, never late. The carts are there by then, and I show the men where the stock should go. They'd leave it on the block more often as not, and Hibbert would hang it when he arrived. What time would that be? Always on the half hour. Why so? Graves took a sip from his jar, leaving a moustache of foam on his upper lip. He reckoned, having been so long at his trade, he'd earned an extra half hour in bed. Can I ask you a question now, Inspector? Bowman shared a look with his companion. The boy had spirit. Anything. Bowman spread his hands wide in supplication. What did the other inspector mean by talking of Lambeth Bridge? Graves spluttered on his beer. Bowman suddenly felt very hot. Pulling at his collar with his fingers, he swallowed hard. Of course, Archie had been mere feet away during his altercation with Hicks at the market. He chose to ignore the question. Graves, would you call the barmaid over? Let's see if she remembers anything of her customers last night. Grateful for the diversion, Graves looked around. He fixed on a comely woman cleaning glasses at the bar. Her hair was heaped up on her head, a pinafore tied tight around her waist, serving only to accentuate her generous shape. He downed the last of his beer and wiped his mouth salaciously on the back of his hand. He staggered to the bar to engage the lady in conversation. Ignoring Archie's look of confusion, Bowman went on. The market opens at seven o'clock. What would you do for those five hours? Hibbert would cut and saw the meat, Alfie slurped on his eels, spooning the liquor into his eager mouth as he talked. I'd dress it for the counter, mop the floor and scrub the block, sometimes run errands. Until noon, when you'd be let go. And I'd be in my bed by ten minutes past. That'd be me done in for the day. Where do you live, Archie? Bowman leaned back from the table. Limeburner Lane. Me and me sister found a room. Bowman imagined what a life the boy must lead. By rights he should have been in the workhouse. There at least he would have been schooled. And yet he was doing well enough. He'd found a roof for his head at night and even an apprenticeship to a trade. Bowman had a feeling that, his present circumstances resolved, Archie would do well. He resisted the urge to ruffle the lad's hair. This is Lily. Bowman turned to see Graves had brought the barmaid over. She twisted her cloth in her hands nervously. It's all right, Lily, Graves soothed. Just tell the inspector what you told me. They was in here right enough. Seven of them there was, sat at that long table there. She pointed at the long trestle nearest the fire, drinking and swearing like they was happy with themselves. Came in about four and left at the bell. Was that unusual? Bowman looked up at the girl from where he sat. Not so much, though maybe during the week. Their normal nights are Friday, on account of them not opening at the weekend. Bowman allowed himself a wry smile. O'Sheehy's jibe at Scotland Yard hours suddenly rang rather hollow. And there's normally eight of them too. They take up the whole table. 
Would you know them if you saw them? Of course. Spent all my time trying to keep their hands off me, didn't I? And are you certain there were seven of them? Bowman's voice had taken on a tone Graves recognised. He was onto something. He knew. I'm not so daft as I can't count. If I say there were seven of them, then seven there was. Lily turned with a harumph and strutted back to the bar and her business, clearly trying her best to look as insulted as possible. Not so insulted, though, noticed Bowman, that she didn't find the time to give Sergeant Graves another look as she passed. The sergeant took his seat at the table, dismissing Bowman's look with a wave of his hand. The inspector had Boothby's ledger open at the table now, leafing through its pages with a look of concentration on his face. The men we spoke to all said Boothby had been here with them last night, he muttered, almost to himself. Who's to say he wasn't? Graves was trying to follow Bowman's train of thought. Lily, for one. Smoothing the pages open with a hand, Bowman directed Graves' attention to a table of numbers and names, all written in an angular, spidery hand. Here's a list of stalls, from one to a hundred and eight, he explained, together with an inventory of the names attached to them. Sergeant Graves, which of the men did you interview in the course of your duties earlier? Graves had drawn a notebook from his pocket. One man at number thirty-five, one at thirty-six, and two at thirty-seven. Bowman rattled off their names from the ledger. Prentice, Adams, Wallace and Samuelson. They all said they were here last night, Graves confirmed, leaning over the ledger to read further. Johns and Carter at 38 had both gone home to their wives. Hudson at 39 met his sweetheart at Covent Garden. Bowman nodded. I spoke to O'Shee and his lad at 33, and Griffiths at 32. All three said they were here last night to get fettled after a day's graft. Then there's our seven. Graves interjected. Bowman turned to his companion, his eyes alive with the thrill of the moment. Then where was Boothby when Hibbert died? Bowman was about to slam the ledger shut, but something in its pages had evidently caught Graves' attention. Wait, sir, here. He was pointing to the rows next to each numbered stall. Tracing up with his finger, he could see each entry in the row denoted the rent each trader had paid to Boothby on each successive week. What of it, Graves? It's, as you would expect, a list of the rents paid for the market stalls. I'm not looking at what's been written, sir. I'm looking at how it's been written. Bowman angled the ledger to the window, the better to see what was written there. In the morning light, it was clear what Graves had meant. Each entry had been written in the same ink until November the 23rd. A different ink had been employed from then on. That was nothing unusual in itself, thought Bowman, but placing the book in the light had brought Graves' point into sharp relief. The new ink had started earlier along Hibbert's row, from September of the last year. What do you think that means, sir? Graves' eyes were wide in thought. One of two things, Graves. Either Boothby used a different ink for Hibbert and only Hibbert for two months, or he went back later and filled in blank entries so as not to appear suspicious. Graves was confused. Why would there be blank spaces? Surely Hibbert paid his rent every week. I can't imagine Boothby giving him anything but short shrift if he didn't. Bowman was suddenly all action. Come on, Graves, he barked, snatching his hat from the table. We need to get that market open. But you gave the order that the gates should be shut. I told Boothby myself. Graves couldn't help but be incredulous. Bowman turned. They're traders, Graves. So let them trade. The inspector left the table with a flurry, leaving Sergeant Graves to gulp down the last of his pint and Archie Walton to finish his eels. 